You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Robert Powell, CFP, on the line, and he's an award-winning financial journalist whose work appears regularly in MarketWatch.com, USA Today, TheStreet.com, The Wall Street Journal, and AARP. He is a powerhouse. (laughs) He is the editor and publisher of The Street's Retirement Daily, and I'm super excited to talk to him today. Um, But first, before we get started. I just want to shout out one of my sponsors. So this episode is sponsored by Jasmine Mortgage Team. Now, Jasmine Mortgage Team is a company that is awesome. They are very fire-minded. Jasmine and her team are fire-minded, so they love the fire movement, and they're loved by both real estate investors and first-time home buyers. Speaking of first-time home buying, I know the market's going crazy. We'll probably talk about a, a little bit about that in the episode. So they do specialize in mortgages for new purchases. So thank you so much for Jasmine Mortgage Team for sponsoring this episode. And you can find them at jasminemortgageteam.com. Again, that's jasminemortgageteam.com. So now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Hey, Robert, how are you? Hey, <laughs> I'm doing hey, I'm great. great. So you? I just wanted to have you on the show because of course, as we see from the bio, you are a powerhouse when it comes to everything retirement. And as Gen X through Z, <laughs> We need to know all we need to know about retirement now so that way we can properly prepare for the future. So with that being said, let's jump right into like the current events that are going on, because as everybody is seeing, market is taking a little bit of hit. Um, So for the people that are currently retiring, what does that mean for them? Yeah. So I guess everything begins and ends with having a financial plan in place. Right. And if you went into this, um, this current, this sort of current period without a plan in place, well, I, I would, I would go back and create a plan. If you have a plan in place, hopefully you built something into that plan to accommodate rising inflation, rising interest rates, falling stock market, falling bond prices. And I just wrote a story for Market Watch about this very topic. And it was interesting. I spoke to at least two real people, both of whom had plans in place and both of whom had cushions in place to accommodate the current scenario such that they don't have to lower their standard of living in order to survive the current events. And so to me, that was you know proof positive that having a plan in place that has built in, I'll call it risk capacity or, or cushion or a safety net is really important because these retirees aren't worried at all, at least in the short term. Now, all of them said, if this lasts for two, three, four or five years, well, we'll have to make adjustments along the way. But at least in the, in the current market environment, um, they haven't changed their lifestyle. The other thing that I think that's important about current retirees is this. We look at the rising inflation rates and we think, oh my goodness, it's 8.5% and that's going to ruin my budget. Well, in many cases, the the budget of a retiree is almost unaffected by, I shouldn't say entirely by inflation, but the two major costs, things like health, like housing, for instance, um, they already own a home. So it's not like they have to pay a higher mortgage, for instance. Um, and so that cost at, say, 25 to 33% of their budget 
is really unaffected, perhaps in some ways, by inflation. And and given the way that housing prices are going, it's actually you know potentially even a benefit, right? The the rising uh, equity in their home may be offsetting the falling equity in their 401k or IRA. So those are two things to think about. And then from an investment portfolio perspective, obviously, I think you probably, if you don't have an investment policy statement in place, you need to have one. That policy statement will say what you should own and when you should rebalance and um, and then maybe look for opportunities given the current environment. So today, for instance, you might say, oh, in my fixed income portfolio, maybe I need to shorten the duration of the bonds I own, or maybe I need to own more inflation protected securities, tips, for instance. Or if you're looking to build an emergency fund right now, I-bonds are paying an extraordinarily high rate of interest. Now, there's limiting factors around buying I-bonds. You know, one taxpayer can only buy $10,000 worth. So if you and your spouse are there, you could buy $20,000. And if you have a trust, you can buy another $10,000. But nonetheless, if you're looking for short-term uh, money, a short-term parking place, um, an I-bond would be an appropriate place to do that. Um, the other is to think about your stock portfolio and what are the kinds of stocks that can weather uh, a downturn, uh, a rising inflation, or the potential for a recession, and just to make sure that you have those kinds of kind of equity exposure. And then the last thing I'll mention is um, it, very few people use it today. Um, but a reverse mortgage can be very helpful if you're retired, if you're age 62, looking to looking to stay, you know, age in place, live in your home, um, but also tap the equity in your home to fund either current expenses or maybe sometimes people use the reverse mortgage to, um, in cases of of uh, mitigating or managing the risk of sequence of return risk. So it, instead of withdrawing money from a falling portfolio, you might withdraw it from your house and uh, withdraw that money in a way that allows your portfolio maybe to rebound when the market does rebound. So those are a couple things for retirees to think about. Oh my gosh, that's so many gems. <laughs> um, I do want to go back though to the I-bonds because that has been a yep. hot button topic, especially on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Everybody's talking about I-bonds mm-hmm. and I just wanted to explain to the audience what those are, how they work and what are the um, factors that people should consider. Yeah, so an I-bond is really a savings bond, and an I-bond is linked to inflation, and it's just the inflation, the interest rate that you'll get is adjusted every six months based on the CPI. And right now, if you buy from May through, I think, September or so, the interest rate is... Offhand, I think it was 8.5%. You'd have to go to the website, treasury.gov, and look up Series I savings bond to get the actual rate. And, you know, there's certain stipulations around it, and you're limited to $10,000. The interest rate does fluctuate because it is tied to inflation. And there is a small penalty penalty if you withdraw the money before the, the term, typically, you know, five years or so. But for many people who are looking to park some cash and put in create an emergency fund, uh, uh, you know, it's a good way, it's a, you know, it's an easy way to earn a decent return. Now, will it fund your retirement? No, but but it's, you know, it's yet one more thing that you can take advantage of in the current interest rate Absolutely. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, because that's something that even though we're not retirees right now, it's something that we could definitely take advantage of um, in this current market 
Yeah, and I tell that to my children right now who are in their 20s, actually, Tiffany, and, and uh, they're saving. And I'm like, you know, there's a great opportunity here. There's two great opportunities, right? One is if you're saving in a 401k, well, prices are now lower than they were a bit ago, which means you're now buying at lower prices, right? And, and that's good if you're young because you have a long time, long horizon, 40 years in the case of 40 plus years in the case of my children who are in their mid-20s. Um, and, and, uh, and, uh, and also this notion of, uh, you know, if you have money to set aside for whatever, you know, maybe you want to buy a house in five years. Well, you know, buying, buying, uh, $50,000 worth of I-bonds over the next, you know, five years could go a long way toward. Hmm. And I didn't even think about that aspect. So thank you. That was a really good tip. So what are some other things? Cause I know, you know, as part of retirement daily, you get a ton of questions, ton of people saying, you know, what is going wrong or what's going and write and that type of stuff. So what is something that as millennials and Gen Z, what should we be thinking about right now in order to go ahead and get our retirement plan in place? Yeah. So I think if you're just starting out and in your 20s, I think the most important thing that you can do is to get your savings uh, rate right. And for many people, if you do have access to a 401k, now obviously not everyone in this country does. Uh, but if you're just starting out and you're say you're earning anywhere, I don't know, between fifty and hundred thousand dollars, you should be thinking about saving nine to thirteen percent of your salary in your 401k. Now the good news is a portion of that hopefully is being matched by your employer. Maybe it's uh, 50 cents on the dollar up to 6%. So for instance, if you were saving 6%, uh, add the 30% from your employer, and now you're at 9% of your of your income. Uh, likewise, you know, if, if you keep adding above the 6%, that just even, you know, gives you a, a better, a better, you know, sort of path to retirement. And one of the things I would be thinking about as you're going through retirement, people always say, well, how much do I need to save? And it's really hard for someone in their 20s to say, oh, I need a million dollars or $2 million or whatever it is that you need to fund your retirement that might be 40 years away. But a number of companies, JP Morgan, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, they all have sort of uh, benchmarks that are based on your salary. And, and those benchmarks, in essence, say, oh, you should have, for example, one times your salary set aside by age 30 for retirement. And, and by age 30, you should have X times. And by age 40, you should have you know, Y times. And if you're using these benchmarks along the way, at least you have some sense of you're making progress. So that's um, a rule of thumb, a heuristic, if you if you will. Um, the other is to make sure you're doing the calculation. Um, one of the interesting reports comes out every year by the Employee Benefit Research Institute. They call it the uh, Retirement Confidence Survey. And in that survey, what they say is that the people who have actually done a plan are more confident about their ability to fund their retirement, to fund their desired standard of living in retirement if they did a plan versus just winging it. So I'd say, even though you may be 40 years away, um, use the benchmark as a a base case, right? One times, two times, et cetera. And then actually sit down and create a plan, right? Now, you may not know what your retirement expenses will be. Again, like in 40 years, it would be impossible to even say what that might be. Um, but you could, but you could at least, you know, put plans in place and adjust them as you go. And that way you're always paying attention to whether you're on target or not. I mean, this is an opportunity to for two things. One is this is an opportunity to manage your money because it is your money, right? And this is going to fund your lifestyle when you can no longer work or no longer want to work. So you really have to pay attention to it. You can't leave it to chance. And then in terms of investing, I would say, you know, if you're in your 20s and you don't have any other assets, I'm okay with a target date fund, right? The target date fund takes a lot of the mystery out of investing. What, the, what should you own? When you should rebalance, et cetera. And maybe as you 
age and your life becomes a little more complicated and you maybe own assets outside your 401k, maybe you have a Roth, maybe you have a taxable brokerage account, maybe you have you know, CDs and whatnot all over the place, maybe you own property, rental income property, uh, then at that point, maybe the target date no fund may not work for you. Maybe at that point, you need to think about how do my investments fit into all the assets that I own? And then maybe consider working with a planner to make sure that the assets in your 401k complement all the other assets that you have. You know, I'm fond of a of a strategy, for instance, called life cycle savings and, and investing, in where not only are you looking at your financial capital, but you're also looking at your human capital. What's your earnings potential, and also your social security. Now, for many people in their 20s, my kids tell me this all the time that they probably shouldn't depend on social security, and that may or may not be true. I think what perhaps is true is maybe you shouldn't depend on it paying 100 cents on the dollar, whatever that you know, whatever your primary insurance amount is on your social security statement. Maybe you think it's only going to pay 80% or or something even less than that. So as you're planning, I would say maybe, you know, for a best case scenario, you say, I'm not going to count on social security. I'm going to count on my savings, right? And I'm going to count on my human capital growing because, you know, for many people, especially when they're young, their biggest investment is is themselves, right? Getting the education that they need in order to improve their um, standard of living. Now. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to hit on in what you just said. I think one of the main things I want to hit on is when you said a plan builds confidence, because I tell people that all the time when it comes to just monthly budgeting, like w- with mm. monthly budgeting, if you wing it, then, you know, you're in a situation yeah. where you look up and everything's gone and you're like, oh man, it's only halfway through the month. So when you have yeah. a plan in place, and that's what's so important about planning, whether it's retirement planning or just budgeting every month, it gives you that peace of mind and that confidence to have your mind clear to make better yep. decisions. Um, it's one less thing yep. to to think about. Um, so I'm so right. glad that you brought that up because that is so key. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just mention mm-hmm. this, Tiffany, which I think is a great analogy. Like you would never get on an airplane if the pilot didn't have a flight plan, right? <laughs> you just wouldn't do it. <laughs> so why should you let? Why should you depend on your your money getting somewhere without a plan, right? It's just really, you know, you wouldn't get on the plane. Yeah. So and you know what? Also, um, you know, what I try to get to people as well is it becomes fail proof, right? Because if you have a plan and you stick to it, you have no choice but to succeed. Um, (laughs) Because you've right. And the other thing is with a plan, right? Again, I'll use the the airplane analogy, you know, you might have a flight plan, but you may have to sort of make twists and turns to get to your destination. And if you have a plan in place, you, you can at least monitor it and then revise it. As, as, as you go based on things that might be happening, life cycle events. Maybe you got married. Maybe you have the child. Maybe you bought a house, right? Certain things will certain, you know, change your plan to a degree. So you just need to be just conscious of it. And, you know, the good news is you're, you, I think you described to me earlier that you're a tech nerd. When I was growing up, you know, we had to rely on sort of, you know, pencil and paper and calculators to do a, a budget. Today, you have all these tools, all these apps that can help you. Um, I look at my children today, they know their credit score. I never knew my credit score when I was in my 20s. I didn't know that a credit score even existed. But today they're reminded daily of what their credit score is. And not only that, how to improve it, Tiffany, right? Imagine that you're in your 20s and you're getting advice from an app on how to improve your credit score. It's, it's incredible. 
Take advantage yes, of it. Yes, please, 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 please. Like you said, I'm a tech nerd. So y'all, if you're not sure what type of technology you need, please reach out to me because I know it all. I think I've downloaded every single FinTech app there is. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, whether it's, you know, whether it's Mint or you need a budget or whatever, I'm sure you have a host of t- apps that you can recommend. Uh, but I would say if you're in your 20s and you're not using an app and, and you don't know your credit score and uh, you know, then then you're not taking advantage of all the tools that are available. Yes, please come on over. Um, <laughs> um, but I also wanted to hit on one other point that you said, and that was um, contributing to your work retirement plan, because my background's in HR. I don't know if you knew that or not, but when yeah. I was in HR, there was so many people not taking advantage of their plans and everywhere I worked, we match. So I'm like, y'all come on, like at least put in up to the match. And you know, one of the misconceptions was, well, I won't be able to afford it. But then when I told them, you know, this lowers your taxes. And then, so therefore it's really not as big of a hit as you think it is. Um, Then people started doing it and then they were like, Oh, you know, it's not too bad, but you know, if you don't, put in up to the match, you're missing out on free money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's free money to you. So at a minimum that. And, and, and the, the other thing is t- today, what's interesting is, especially if you're in your 20s and your employer offers you a Roth 401k. Now that that goes in post-tax, after tax, it's not going to give you a tax break now. But but the money will grow tax deferred as or tax free as it would in a, in a Roth 401k, a typical traditional 401k. But then the money comes out tax-free. So years from now, you already paid the taxes up front on this. And years from now, you, you don't have to worry about um, you don't have to worry about RMDs, for instance, which you would if you had just all your money in traditional IRA and 401k plans. So if you have a four, Roth 401k at work, think about using it. And then I'd say if you don't have an employer-sponsored plan at work, maybe go out and and create a, a, an IRA at some financial institution where money is coming out automatically out of your checking account into the IRA, the same as it would be if you were with an employer. And, um, and, and keep saving that way if you don't have a plan at work because... Um, uh, not having a retirement plan is is also, I mentioned the retirement confidence survey, having a plan at work creates confidence, having no plan doesn't. So it's up to you then to go create your own retirement plan and it's available. It's it's there for you to, to do. Absolutely. If you work anywhere making any type of money, you can open up an IRA. And um, that is the beauty of it. Like even kids, for instance, if we have anybody listening and you have like a 16 year old or whatever, they can open up an IRA as well as long as they're working. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, and I also wanted to mention um with the Roths, right? Because a lot of people have questions about traditional versus Roth and, you know, this, that, or the other. And when you're thinking about which one you should do, let's say you have an option. Um, my tip is usually think about where you are in your career, you know, um, because if you do the Roth, it's co- the tax is already coming out now. So if you're in a lower tax bracket, then that makes sense. If you're already at the peak of like how much you're going to make, mm-hmm. then a Roth probably wouldn't make sense. A traditional would. So that way, when you in retirement, it'll be a lower tax rate. And then, you know, yep. you can take out that way. So what are your thoughts around that? 
Yeah, I think that's a traditional rule of thumb. If you're in a low tax bracket now and you expect to be in a higher tax bracket later, um, it's hard to predict, right? Because we don't know where tax rates will be in 40 years. But traditionally, lower now, Roth, high in, lower now, higher later, Roth, and, and just the opposite, high, higher now, um, lower later, traditional. Uh, the other thing I like to think, though, about is um, you and I, we talked about Michael Kitsis a second ago. He's like, you know, financial planner to the stars. And he talks about tax equilibrium and the notion of you're not necessarily thinking about what your tax rate will be in the first year of retirement, but what will the taxes be over the course of your retirement? And then do you have the accounts available from which to pull in order to create this equilibrium that he talks about? So, you know, maybe maybe now you're investing quite a bit, let's say, in your traditional 401k because that's your only option. Option. Um, years from now, when you're about to retire, say bef- between I don't know the ages of 60 and 72, maybe you start thinking about doing Roth conversion so that at least you create an account from which you can pull money tax-free uh, years from now. Now, Roth conversions they do come with you know some cautions, right? You'll have to pay a tax on the distribution from your traditional 401k or IRA uh, in order to do the conversion, but it, it will give you the opportunity to have this pool of money that you could use to fund retirement without having to pay taxes on it. Later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is a tool that quite a few people yeah. I've seen use um, once they are, you know, heading towards retirement and doing those conversions. So I think yeah. that is some solid advice as well. Now, yeah. with, with anything that we're saying, y'all, <laughs> please get help from an advisor yeah. if you're not sure about what we're talking about, um, because that's what they're there for. They're there to help you um, figure all of this out and create a plan. So thank you so much, Bob. And then there's one more thing I wanted to mention. Um, I know like with all of the um, brokerage firms, they are competing for business. So one thing that I took advantage of recently was um, Fidelity had, and they're not a sponsor, I'm working on them, but um, (laughs) Fidelity had a special where if you open up a Roth IRA and put at least $50, they'll give you a hundred. So I checked my account and lo and behold, I have $150. So um, shop around and see what type of offers are out there because that could give you a little bump as well. Yeah. I'll just mention I have an intern working for me from Northeastern University, and one of the assignments that we gave our intern is to go open up a Roth IRA account and then write about the experience. So we haven't published it yet, but I'm so excited that I created one more financially literate you know, person in this world because uh, – because it's so important for, uh, as, as uh, my intern said to me the other day, this is something I would never, ever have thought about doing, you know, even if I was 30 years old. Wow. Wow. That is so, so awesome. And that's that's the beauty of what we do. And that's why we're here. Um, we're trying to inspire financial literacy. So hopefully you all got some good information out of this episode. Now, Bob, if people were interested in learning more about you or following you, where would they find you? Uh, so um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy to accept your invitation. Uh, we're on uh, Instagram. We're on TikTok. Um, <laughs> we're on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at RJPIII on Twitter. And then at Retirement Daily, you know, retirementdaily.net is where you'll find uh, the bulk of the work of that I'm doing uh, at the street. And then you can search for me on MarketWatch USA Today, Wall Street Journal to find, uh, search by my name to find the articles I've written for them. Awesome, awesome. And if you didn't catch all of that, because I know it was a lot, even the TikTok, I'm like, oh, I need this link. Um, <laughs> I will have that in the show notes. So feel free. Don't feel like you have to write it all down now. It will be in the show notes. Check those out. All the links to find Robert will be there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was awesome. Thank you, Tiffany. My pleasure. All right. Bye. 
Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>